0: Hello my friends and welcome back to Oblivion Spin Presents. I'm your host, Eric, and we are back with episode 17 of The Eagle. The ground thawed. James buried his skulls and planted his garden, anxious for a vegetable that was not of the root variety and not in a goddamn stew. It was still cold outside. He wore his bare skin over his thermal shirt and jeans with his slippers he had made himself. He was starting to get the hang of tanning and building. He was currently debating if he wanted to build an entirely new cabin, perhaps with a proper floor, or if he ought to work on a connected storehouse first, or a small brewery. It was rather crammed in the cabin, with its carvings and the intended brewing and stockpile over the winter, and difficult to keep track of what was buried where, when he and the wren kept stirring up dust and knocking the markings away. James pondered this while he sat at the edge of the lake fishing. He had half a mind that when he caught a fish he would just eat it raw, because for the love of God, anything was going to taste gourmet after a winter of stews. The wren seemed to feel similarly as he was gorging himself on bugs in the garden. James' thoughts were partially interrupted by a rustling. There were a few larger animals that stalked the area around here, but they were smart enough not to fuck with James Porter. THE James Porter. Wearer of bears, 50% winner of chess. The rustling got nearer. Do not be ballsy with me, friend. If you are a bear, do me a favor and run along. I cannot stand the thought of eating another goddamn bear this soon. The rustling stopped. And that is what I thought. James relaxed back into his fishing. He was going to have to fight the wren for some better bait if he did not get a bite soon. He felt a tug on his line just as he thought that, and yanked it in, catching the fish in his hands. He grabbed it by the tail and slammed its head against a rock. James? James froze. James! He looked up across the lake. Wren? Wren waved frantically. He gestured wildly and excitedly before starting to sprint around the shore. James stood somewhat bewildered, still holding onto his fish. He was unsure if he, a man wearing a bear pelt as a hood and cape, who played chess with a literal Wren all winter, had perhaps gone completely insane. Wren embraced James, fish and all. James, James, James! Wren nearly lifted James off the ground. You are alive and well, and look at you in your cabin in your garden. Wren took a step back and held onto James's arms. I've never been so thrilled to see anyone in my entire life, James. I could kiss you. Look at you, catching fish and hunting. I'm almost jealous of you, you lucky bastard. Wren, it is great to see you, but what the hell are you doing here? James looked anxiously across the lake. And how easy was it to find? I mean, I thought I was pretty hidden. Wren nodded the nod he always nodded when he knew a long-winded explanation was overdue. James nodded back. Hold that thought. Can you cook this? James held this fish up. Wren looked at him quizzically. I suppose I could. Great. James put his arm around Wren and led him towards the fire pit to the side of the cabin. I am so sick of my own cooking. James watched how Wren cooked over the fire. Wren looked well. He looked well-rested and well-adjusted. You are quiet. I'm waiting patiently for an explanation. You were not easy to find, no. I took two weeks' leave for an expedition to the surface, to ponder some pending decisions without the distractions of day-to-day life. Ren made quotes in the air. Of course, I was hoping to find you. Told myself I could walk five days in any direction before needing to head back if I had not found you. Ren smiled slightly. I walked Six. James' heart sunk. That meant Wren would only be staying a day or two. Do not look so glum. It will not take me a full six to return, having my bearings. I knew you had to be somewhere in these hills. It was just a small stroke of luck as to where. Wren took the fish from the fire. me about you, please. You do not know how good it is to see you, James. You too, Wren. James did not know where to begin or what to say. Well... I escaped the surface. Thanks for leaving the satchels in such a convenient spot. Your notes are the reason, or most of the reason, I'm alive. James glanced back at the cabin. Walked a few days straight, came across this spot, and thought it felt like home. The rest is obvious if you see it, I did it. Come now, James, you're minimizing. How did you stand the winter? How did you manage your cloak there? Ren lifted up what had been the paw. That could not have been an easy feat. Good luck. All of it was a lot of luck. Wren grilled James about various seasons and survival details, and James finally gave in and regaled him with the story of killing the bear, which he might have embellished slightly before it began to get dark. Let us go inside, get a fire going, and I'll put dinner on. James stood and walked with Wren to the cabin. And you will have to tell me how to make a goddamn door for this thing. Wren chuckled. I will gladly help you with that tomorrow, if you would like. Hang on a moment. James held his arm out to keep Wren from going in. He whistled a choppy little tune and held the curtain open. The Wren chirped back at him and hopped from its spot in the garden into the cabin. James looked to Wren. A friend of mine. Wren and James sat by the fire. After James got yet another pot of soup started, he sat back in his usual spot and held his hand out for his Wren. Wren watched him quietly. I found him a few weeks after I got here. A fox was trying to eat him. He cannot fly but we do not let that bother us, do we? James pet the wren's head with his thumb. He looked up at Wren. How fortunate for the wren to have been befriended by an eagle. Wren paused, hesitant. My mother used to tell me this story about the king of the birds. I'm sure I've told it to you, that the birds had a contest to determine the king by who could fly the highest. Wren stared towards the fire while he spoke. Wren hid on eagle's back, and when eagle flew as high as he could wren jumped and flew just a whisper higher do you really think he did not notice i would guess the things we love are light to carry james looked down at the little bird in his hands how are things back at the complex mar did die and elliot did get the nomination thanks to you james bowed his head slightly i was promoted to director of the department of people The entire government, not just delinquency, has taken some great strides towards transparency. Wren was clearly uncomfortable, but James did not interrupt him. After your interview was published, there was some backlash that I had not expected. While no one could deny that you had done it, plenty of people did deny that you were completely unsavory or that you had been doing things for the wrong reasons all along. A lot of people came forward to talk about good things you had done, to the point it was better for the reputation of the department that you were able to escape. I think the outrage would have been too much to handle had you actually been executed. Anyhow, it opened some interesting discussions about some of the uglier parts of delinquency that are now being discussed, such as the rampant alcoholism and the trend of long-term officials developing post-traumatic stress and other mental disorders. Of course, you do know I did not expect you to do this, James. Ren looked down at his wrists. I'm well aware of the sacrifice you made, and I was shocked that you made it. I do not know that I could have managed without it, but I never would have. Wren. Wren looked back at James. It was my choice. I cannot say I'm happy here, but I'm more content than I've ever been. For the first time, I feel peace, Wren. May you feel it, too. Wren nodded thoughtfully. You would not come back, would you? Even with a pardon and a colony on the surface? James shook his head. No. He turned gently and set the wren in his nest. There are exactly two things I miss about the complex, neither of those would be how they were. Perhaps you're a wiser man than I am. No. I'm just a different man than you are, Wren. Neither of us is wiser. James nodded just past Wren towards the chess that he had made. Play me? Wren studied the pieces before setting up his side of the board. You've taken up carving again. Got me through the winter. Thanks. Wren studied the pieces again. The rook is clever. Is that a riddle? No. Wren set his piece down. They're traditionally castles. It is humorous to me. He made it a bird. James smiled slightly. Thought it was an improvement. He waited for Wren to take his first move. Who is running what, then? Elliot is chairman, you are directing the DOP. What have you done with delinquency? Ren leaned back on his hands and looked at James while he spoke. Carter is director. Alex is enforcing. Although I would be being inaccurate if I did not clarify that Roger mostly runs it from an enforcing manager position. It is rather co ran which will be unfortunate when we send a troop to the surface. Oliver is heading corrections with Arcturus' assistant, with whom I do not think you are well acquainted. James nodded. He had been curious, but did not know exactly what to say. He was somewhat conflicted. He had cared for so long about the office politics, but it seemed somehow wholly unimportant now. James took his move. Sounds like a good team. It is. Wren pondered the board. I've been very fortunate. He moved. James looked off into the fire. How's Ollie? He said the words softly and hoped somewhat that Red would not hear them. Oliver is well. Wren spoke quickly and tersely. He's the best head of corrections we have seen in a long time. That was not what James wanted to know. He looked at Wren. All his feelings came rushing back. But how is Ollie? You guys get together and chat? He found someone new? How is he? Wren hesitated. Wren, I need to know. Ollie was the only thing I truly abandoned back there. You knew why I did what I did. Ollie did not. You owe it to me to give me a straight answer. After all I did for you, that is all I am asking. Oliver is all right. He is by no stretch of the imagination happy, but he seems to have reached a contentment with life. He works constantly and completely keeps to himself, mostly when he's not. I visit him often, and it is always cordial and pleasant, but he is certainly different, a lot older than he was last year. I'm glad he's doing well, but I think the word is bittersweet. Bittersweet, Wren frowned. I'm getting ahead of myself. He cocked his head. You have missed out on an entire year. Wren stared off into space for a moment before looking back at James. After word got out that you had killed Sellers, Oliver's was in disbelief. Not completely that you had done it, but that you had not had a very good reason for doing it. He walked into that interview fully expecting you to be yourself, with a good reason, an apology, and a sheepish grin. Wren shook his head. When he saw you and then heard you speak... He wanted so badly to get through to you, to see through your bluff. When you did not break, I think part of him broke. I kept him on my sofa for the next week before your execution was scheduled. Told him it was to keep an eye on his nose, but I did not want to risk him doing anything desperate. After you escaped, he wandered around for a few weeks like a wraith. Did not talk much, just showed up, did his work, and went home. He stayed at your place, and when I offered to help him move his stuff, he always said it was on his to-do list for the weekend. After weeks of this, I received a call from Roger one afternoon that Oliver had not shown up to corrections and was completely unreachable. I checked your place and found him in the corner under the bookshelf in absolute hysterics. He was sat with a half-empty bottle of vodka and a notebook of yours he had found. Ren was clearly struggling to keep a straight face. Apologies. Out with it. What is funny, Ren? Oh, well, I was just thinking that the moment I walked in before I knew what was going on... Oliver certainly terrified me in a way Maury never had. Ren widened his eyes. Thank God his drunk instincts are to hug, not to fight. What happened? It was the small notebook, right? The little one up on the bookshelf. It was the one you were thinking of. Suffice to say Oliver was bewildered and infuriated with me initially, but rational enough to understand I had not set you to do it. Openly, he says that he believes you had a mental breakdown and blames himself somewhat for not doing more to make sure you got the help you needed. I think that is the easiest way for him to rationalize it. That is for the best, likely. He still loves you, James. I do not see him moving on for a long time. You can tell me you found my corpse if you want, if you think it would help him move on. I don't want him to spend his best years miserable and pining away after me like you did for Luna. Wren grabbed his backpack and dug through it for a moment. Oliver sent me with something for you, in case I found you. Could have mentioned that a little sooner, asshole. Wren held a small notebook out to James. Oliver said only to give it to you if I thought you still loved him. He made me promise not to bring him up unless you did. James held the notebook. He was terrified to open it. What? Did he think he would come across me in the woods flanked by an array of forest nymphs and pixies? James held the notebook tightly. Of course I still love him. I think part of Oliver was heard enough by the interview that he was afraid that was who you were. I think most of Oliver thinks you are dead. After Wren had gone to sleep, James sat by the fire with Ollie's notebook. He debated for a while, not opening it, saving it till after Wren had left. He looked at Wren sleeping peacefully on a blanket James had stitched together from pelts with the little Wren nestled near him. He finally opened the notebook. I was never particularly set on the idea of having kids, even before I realized I was gay and that having kids would be rather difficult, strategically speaking. It is kind of a moot point now, since I suspect you're either dead or never coming back, but for what it's worth, I think you and I would have been good dads. Some of the words on the page were hard to make out, because the ink had smeared in little drops. James could imagine Ollie perched at his desk, half curled in on himself, eyes watering while he wrote. I hope you remember writing that in your notebook. I do not know why I'm writing this like you will read it. Maybe because that is the only way I know how to cope right now. There is so much I want to tell you, so much I wish you were here for. I know what you said at the interrogation, but I do not want to believe you meant it. Since I found your notebook, Ren acts guilty when I mentioned you in passing, but I have come to understand it was not his fault either. I do not understand why you did it, but I guess it is something you felt so strongly that you needed to do that you were willing to hurt me to do it. I guess I'm writing to you because there's no one else I can talk about you to. I get why you cannot go to therapy now. I get a lot of things I did not get when you were here. I miss you. I love you. And knowing now that you only did what you did because you felt like you had to, I forgive you. James gently closed the notebook. There was more. There was so much more. But not for tonight. He took the notebook with his other important belongings, put more wood on the fire, and lightly tapped Wren on the shoulder. You awake, Wren? Wren squinted at him. Are you all right, James? James's vision was blurry. He could not articulate a thought, so he nodded and tried not to look entirely pathetic. Wren stretched before lifting up the blanket on top of him and patting the space next to him. James crawled under the blanket next to Wren and rested his face on Wren's chest. Wren rubbed his shoulder. You did a lot of good, James. You made a hard sacrifice, but plenty of people know what you did, even if they do not speak it openly. You were a hero. I guess I did not really realize what I had left behind. It was easier to think of you and Ollie having just forgotten me. That you remember and that life has gone on anyway. James put his arm around Wren. Of course we have not forgotten you. Trust me when I say I wish I could stay here with you. I would build a little cabin with an actual door and windows next to yours and sit at the lake drawing pictures of the trees. James laughed. Why do you not do that in five years? Once the complex is running smoothly without you, come out and retire. It will take me no more than ten, and I will. And you will regret the invitation. Are you going to tell Ollie I'm alive? I will tell him anything you would like me to. Wren kept rubbing James' back and shoulder. We can discuss it tomorrow at great length. All right. James shut his eyes. Good night, Wren. Good night, James. Wren toward the woods close to the cabin with James and pointed various plants out to him that could be used in cooking. To Wren's delight, James followed him with a notebook and took little notes. Wren helped James fit a frame in his doorway, and after pondering a while, promised that he would obtain some hinges and bring them back on a future visit, James not having any means of working metal yet. They talked at great length about many things, and spent a fair amount of time in silence as well. On the third day, Wren emptied his pack out and divided the supplies he needed to get back to the complex. James sat near him and watched. Ren apologized for not having much, but left him with some spices, a few clothes, a new mostly empty notebook, and a few other little things. Ren and James sat on the shore and both looked out at the water. It will be a while before I'm able to come back to see you, but I will come back. Next year? James tried not to sound disappointed. No, before then. Before winter hits. It will not take me as long to find you again, so long as you stay put. I will. James looked back at the cabin behind him. You know you could stay now if you wanted. You do not mean that. You would get impatient with me if I did not go back and give word to Oliver. Have you composed your message? James had spent the last few days trying not to think of it. Nothing he could think of felt quite right. Either it came off too preachy or too cold. Can you just scoop him up in your arms and kiss him for me? No. I'm comfortable with my sexuality, but I'm not that comfortable with my sexuality. I killed a man for you, Ren. I am aware. I killed a lot of men for you, Wren. I appreciate that, but that does not mean I am kissing one for you. Coward. Wren chuckled. I will certainly be sure to tell him that you are recognizable as yourself. James smiled. He felt himself. Tell him I love him. Tell him I miss him. Tell him... Tell him if I ever see him again, I will do anything his little heart desires to make up for breaking his nose, and that I'm very sorry, and that he is perfect and cute, and that he has a cute butt, and... James looked down at the water. There were little ripples from the wind. Just tell him whatever you think he needs to hear. Tell him you found me dead and crawling with maggots, if you think it would make him feel better. That if you wanted, you would come back out and get my skull to bring back for him to put on his desk as his memento mori. That you buried me under a birch, that I did not make it. James picked a flat stone from the ground and flung it into the lake. It skipped across near to the other side. You tell him whatever is going to mend his broken heart. Wren leaned his head back and looked up at the stars. Then I will tell him that you say he is perfect and cute and has a cute butt. And that I miss him terribly. And that you miss him terribly. They sat together on the shore until it was fully dark. Wren left early in the morning, James walked with him a ways until it was nearing noon or later and James did not want to get caught away from home for the night. The farewell was difficult, but James had something to get him through the summer. He sat by the fire and planned his next projects, collecting stones for the floor, building a storehouse, a coop to keep some ducks in if he could find and abscond with some hatchlings. After a while, he finally caved and stayed up reading the rest of Ollie's notebook. The words kept him warm and he read them many times over the spring and summer and fall. James continued working through his list of projects. He stored extra food for the winter, just so he could honestly invite Ren to stay when he came again. He built a small table instead of chairs, which were not perfect, but were likely better built than his cabin was. James was trying to smooth the surface of the table the best he could with a rough rock he had found. It was calming work, and for a moment he was aware there was a time when he would have found it tedious. The days were noticeably shorter again, and before too long he would be cooped up in the cabin with his thoughts. He enjoyed the time outside while it was still warm enough to. He had already made a door for when Wren came back with hinges, but he tried to ignore it every day instead of glancing at it and wondering when Wren was going to come back. If Wren was going to come back. James had no doubt Wren would if he could, but as the days passed he worried if something had happened in the complex. James kept sanding the table. If anything happened to Wren, he would never hear of it, and that scared him. If anything happened to Wren, he would not hear about Ollie either. James sometimes thought of Ollie warmly, and other times felt a deep pit in his stomach that he was living off of old words written to a supposedly dead man. James wiped the sweat off his brow with his forearm and leaned back against the table. He looked out at the lake. In the spring, he was going to build a canoe and spend lazy summer afternoons in the middle of the lake dozing. He nodded to himself. Time kept passing. There was always something to do. It was nearing dusk. He whistled a choppy tune for the little Wren, ushered him into the cabin, and began dinner. Just as James was debating between going to sleep a little early or staying up to sip out by the lake and stare at the stars, Wren knocked near to where the door should have been. James could tell by the pattern he used. Come in. James was rather pleased he had gotten the table and chairs done just in time. Wren let himself in without opening the blanket covering the door all the way. He held his arms out to James. James wrapped his arms around Wren. I missed you so fucking much. I told you I would be back. I know. Does that mean I did not miss you. I missed you as well, James. I rather have a surprise for you. James let Wren go. Is it a cake or something sweet? There was a light laugh on the other side of the door blanket. Is it cake? The distinctly familiar laughter continued as Ollie let himself into the cabin. He looked different than James pictured him. His hair was grown out and curled in small golden clumps around his face. His nose was crooked. He looked older, still devastatingly good-looking. Before James could process everything, Ollie was in his arms with his face pressed into James's chest. James looked at Wren. Wren had a pensive smile. I will leave you two to talk. He set his backpack by the door and slipped out. James nodded vaguely at Wren after he had left and brought his hand up to Ollie's head. Ollie's shoulders shook slightly, and he whimpered. James pet the back of his head. Suddenly, reality kicked in, and he was holding Ollie, and he knew he was not dreaming or imagining or anything else. He kissed Ollie on the top of the head. I missed you so very much more than cake. I just thought Ren having brought cake was more likely. Ollie half laughed, half sobbed. James held him closer. Why are you crying, Ollie? Ollie took a deep breath. He spoke into James' chest, but James could hear him fine. I thought you were dead, James. I thought Wren was being nice saying he found you, or otherwise just misleading in his phrasing. Thought we were going to get up here to a tree Wren said he planted you under. I thought you were sort of dead before you even left the complex. If you were alive, I did not expect to recognize you with your bright eyes and wild brown hair and kind face joking about cake. I'm so sorry, Ollie. For everything. I'm so sorry I hurt you. James pressed his face to the top of Ollie's head. His hair was dirty from the walkout, but the citrusy smell of his aftershave still lingered on him. Ollie did not say anything. He kept clinging to James. James did not know what else to say. He did not know where to begin. He did not know if once the shock wore off that he was alive, Ollie would perhaps come to his senses and hate James a bit after all. He had no explanation he could give that would be satisfying, that Ollie would want to hear and understand that James knew Ollie would be safe hearing. James did not even know, beyond the undated notebook entries of Wren's brief update six months prior, who Ollie was, if he had changed, or for that matter, what brought him here. But he was warm, and he smelled nice, and James needed a hug. James curled Ollie's hair around his fingers and rubbed his back and side as well as he could around Ollie's backpack. Ollie finally took a deep breath and let go of James. James wanted to keep holding him like he used to, but he let go. Ollie took a step back from James and stared at him. James realized he looked different than Ollie remembered, too. That his hair was curled around his shoulders and his beard was full. That he's wearing an odd combination of leather and clothes for working in mines. James gestured towards Ollie's pack. You can make yourself comfortable and stay a while, if you'd like. Ollie took his pack off and set it by the door, hardly taking his eyes off James. James took a deep breath and felt his chest rise and fall. He took a step closer to Ollie and tentatively reached his hand to Ollie's face. When Ollie did not move away, James kept his hand against his cheek and rubbed his thumbs against Ollie's face lightly. He finally felt the courage to speak. Just say the word and I will do anything you want, Ollie. James wanted to go on, but he could not. He could not bring himself to say that he did not mind if Ollie never forgave him or loved him like he used to. He wanted to be able to say it and mean it. But all he wanted was to know if that fire had gone. I love you, Ollie. You're my only regret. And we tried so hard not to regret anything. Ollie stood on his tiptoes and kissed James lightly on the lips. James sat in the chair and gathered Ollie in his lap. Ollie nuzzled his face into James's neck. We have so much to talk about, James. Then let us talk. I'm tired tonight. Ren is too. We made the walk out in two very, very, very long days. Ollie rested his head on James. As long as I fall asleep in your arms, that is as good as talking tonight. Of course, James kissed the top of Ollie's head. Anything you want, Ollie. Wren flitted in and out of the cabin, sometimes with his namesake sitting in the garden and poking at James's plants and pulling weeds between the stones James had laid in the walk, sometimes roaming nearby in the woods or climbing into the trees and staking out where exactly he would like his own cabin, and sitting on the shore of the lake fishing. He was never far, but he was kind enough to leave Ollie and James enough room to talk. James sat with Ollie by the bottom of the waterfall. They had sat there a long while and not talked much yet. James had his arm around Ollie and watched him watch the waterfall. James felt nervous, but he was calm. Whatever Ollie had to say, it was not that he did not still love James. With the worst possibility being off the table, nothing else seemed quite as bad. Wren says you would not come back to the complex, even when the surface is colonized. Ollie spoke softly, how James always thought of Ollie speaking. That is the one thing I cannot do, Ollie. Even for you, I cannot go back. No... You seem a lot better off out here. I would not want you to. James did not know what to say. He listened and waited. I was worried if you were still alive, I would barely find you surviving. I honestly did not expect you would have your own cabin and garden and everything else, or that you would be woodworking and carving in your spare time, with a little bird as a companion. You seem pretty happy up here. I am pretty happy up here. James kissed Ollie's face before hesitating. What is wrong? Ollie held James' face and looked in his eyes. I have a hard time pretending away or forgetting that for a year and a half your last impression of me was that I completely broke your nose with my forehead and called you easy and convenient. James wanted so badly to look away, but he did not. He kept his eyes focused on Ollie's. I have a hard time feeling like I deserve you to be sitting next to me and letting me kiss you. had a hard time believing it would not have been better off for you if Ren had told you he found my corpse last spring. James choked somewhat on the word corpse. I will not lie to you and say I was not devastated, James. You know exactly how much you hurt me. You knew at the time how much you were hurting me. I know what I did. I love you, Oliver. I'm not really great at being a big person, but I'm trying. What does that mean, James? I mean, I do not want you to be Wren. I do not want you to sit back at the complex, pining away after me, after what we were. Go out and meet some dashing man who makes you happy in all the ways I should have. I want you to be happy. And God, I'm so happy to see you, I never want to let you go again, Ollie. But I might as well be dead as far as you and me are concerned. James. It does not work like that. I'm not about to just walk back to the complex, go back to corrections, resume my life, and forget about you. If you're not the one for me, there is not one. Ollie kissed James lightly on the lips. Remember? James nodded. For all the nights, he liked to feel like he did not play every moment with Ollie over and over in his head. He knew every word. Fine. And find a dashing man who makes you happy and treats you well and twice a year come visit me with Ren and let me shower you with kisses and hold you a few days until you grow tired of me for the time it takes to visit. That is not how it works either, James. Then how does it work, Ollie? Do you need me to go further away for you to forget me? Do you need Ren to find shreds of my clothes and hair and blood scattered around the lake next spring? Do you need my skull for your desk? What do you need to be able to let go of me? I do not want to let go of you, James. There has not been a day gone by when you were not in my thoughts, and once I found your little notebook on the bookshelf, not a day I did not read your words. I wanted the same things you did. I wanted to settle with you in a colony on the surface and for us to be married in everything you said. I know you cannot give me that, but that does not mean I do not still want you. You have me as long as you want me, Ollie. I deserve it if you want to torment me. I deserve it if you want to stop by every six months or year and remind me of how real you are. If you want to keep my hopes open that somehow things are going to work between us. I know I deserve it, but I promise you I have already hurt as much as you have. Please do not do this. Please just let me go so I do not have to feel the guilt of keeping you from being happy. Ollie looked at James with big, sad eyes before standing and starting back towards the cabin. I cannot do this. I cannot do this, James. James sat for a moment watching Ollie leave before following him. Ren! Ollie yelled. He clambered up to the top and over the edge. James followed him without speaking. He felt nothing. Please, at least stay for the time you're going to stay for. I will stay away from you, leave you alone, whatever you want, but please at least let me talk to Wren for a few days before you both leave. Please. Ollie half turned back to James. I'm not leaving, James. He looked back to where Wren was sat sketching by the lake. Wren! he called again. Wren glanced up, looked back down at his notebook, added a few more lines, shut his notebook, and finally responded. Yes. I cannot fucking do it, Wren. I do not give a fuck about the complex and corrections. I cannot go back there knowing James is going to be sitting alone in his cabin, talking to its little bird and counting days until you are going to come back for another four or six days. Ollie gestured back to James. Tell them I am dead. I fell off a cliff or was eaten by a bear. I am not going back. Wren looked at Ollie, somewhat peeved. We discussed this at length, Oliver. It is not work keeping you at the complex. It is nearing the end of autumn, too late in the season for preparation to be made for you to winter here. Six more months, and I'm certain James would be thrilled to have you stay for good if you wish. Ollie turned and looked at James. Six months, James. You'll just have to wait six months, and I will be here, and you will not be able to get rid of me. Ollie near-tackled James with a hug. James was bewildered for a moment before wrapping his arms around Ollie. You want to stay up here with me? Yes, I want to stay. Ren did not want me to tell you until the spring so I could consider it and we would be able to settle more before the winter, but I have considered it every goddamn night since you broke my nose. I just needed to hear you say you loved me. James kissed the top of Ollie's head. You, you can stay. James looked up at Wren. I was going to offer you to stay this trip. Did all my preparations on the off chance you said fuck it. James held Ollie tighter. If I were a bigger person, I would let you go back and think about it for the winter. I would give you one last chance to change your mind, but if you want to say, I do not want another winter without you. James sat with Ren at the edge of the lake. Ollie had gone to sleep by the fire in the cabin. James skipped a rock across the lake. He could not see it, but listened to the delayed splashes. Ren smoked his cigarette and stared up at the sky. I'm not being selfish, am I? Ren exhaled sharply. Perhaps, but imagine all the ill that would have been prevented had I been. Wren snuffed his cigarette on a rock and tucked the butt into his shoe. He can always go back with you in the spring if he misses the complex, right? Of course. Wren laid on the ground and looked up at the sky. How much longer before you can stay as well? Wren's lips made a slight pop as he smiled. No more than nine years, James. No more than four. James paused while Wren laughed. You've got to bring yourself some tobacco seeds. Wren chuckled again. I've got to quit smoking is what I've got to do. Wren eventually stretched and stood. Perhaps you're right, James. Perhaps I had ought to make it closer to four. Perhaps we've done enough good for a place that has done so little good for us. You leave me out of it. I'm retired. Good has never been there. That is certainly untrue. I did not mean I did not leave my mark on the place, Wren. I mean I am done letting it leave its marks on me. James walked slowly with Wren back into the cabin. They lingered outside the door for a moment, still looking at the stars. James noticed Wren was shivering slightly and nodded at him to go inside. He followed Wren in through the proper door and settled himself on his nest of pelts and blankets beside Ollie, and quickly fell asleep.